In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is the second Sunday of the tour, and the readings of the first two Sundays of the month relate to the parable of the sower. If you recall, last week we read the same thing, but from the Gospel of St. Luke, today we read it from the Gospel of St. Matthew. So let's once again summarize today's parable like we did last week. The Gospel uh, context is that after a large multitude of people gathered together, and he began this parable by saying that a sower went out to plant seeds. Some fell by the wayside, by the roads that are adjacent to the farm, and the birds uh, came and ate the seeds because it was on compacted soil. Some fell on rocks so that there was no chance for the roots to deepen so the plant couldn't grow to maturity. And some fell among thorns that choked the plant as it began to grow. Some fell on good ground and the plant was able to mature and yield lots of fruit. Then our Lord cried out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, the person who has the ability to perceive, let that person embrace the truth behind this parable. And the disciples then were kind of confused by the parable and they asked for the meaning of the parable. So we spoke about the four grounds that the seeds fell on. They represent those who read or heard the gospels throughout the generations. The first one is the wayside. The second one is the rocks. The soil that had lots of rocks. The third is the thorns, the soil that had lots of thorns. And finally, the good ground that bore fruit. Three parts perished, one part was saved. And among the ones saved, there were a variety. Some bore fruits a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So last week, we focused on the universality of God's words, that it's been given to everyone generously and without any kind of partiality, irrespective of social class, nationality, race, culture, etc. This shows that God's love is for all people and his desire to save everyone, and that because of his love for us, he never imposes on us his word, but requires that we accept his words willingly, with an accepting heart and one that will cherish and value and nurture the words that are given to us. The parable, of course, has limits, as all, all parables do. They don't really reflect God in its fullest, because the parable uh, shows a farmer who's throwing his seeds on areas that he knows will not grow. Um, and you can somehow you know, blame the farmer for throwing seeds and wasting the seeds on the wayside or on soil that's rocky or on soil that hasn't been taken care of that has lots of thorns. By nature, these environments cannot produce plants. The seeds are destined to fail. But with our lover of mankind, the lover of mankind who loves us and our Savior, who sows the word of God everywhere, it's possible for even the wayside or even the, the soil that has stones or the soil that has thorns to change. He can change that soil and it can become very fertile. It can become a very fertile land. He gives everyone the chance to hear and to bear fruit. And if someone is only willing, he's able to turn any soil into fertile land. So today, let's focus on one of those areas, which is the area where that had thorns, uh, which is the third scenario in the parable. Our, our Lord explained the parable. <clears throat> he says, and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now he who received the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So this category, the, in this category, the precious seeds are thrown by the farmer. They grow together. The seeds begin to grow and the seeds grow together 
with the thorns that are also planted in the in the in the in the fertile soil and as they both are growing together sharing the same neighboring soil the thorns as it, as the parable goes on to say choke the good seed so the plant begins to grow and the and the plant is choked robbing the good seed of vital things that it needs to thrive the plant showed the potential for growth and the soil was providing some nutrition but it's as if the soil tried to provide for both the seed and the thorns and failed, utterly failed, to provide for both because of its finite nutrients. There's, there's a finite number of nutrients and the thorn gobbled it all up and it left the poor seed to, to be choked. And the external, these are the external factors. But because of the limited resources, the good seed was choked and couldn't grow. So in our lives, we need to give space for the Word of God to grow in our lives. We are often moved and motivated by the Holy Spirit. When we read something in Scripture, we see God working inside of us. It's convicting us. It's motivating us to do more and more, but we have to respond to it. And when that Holy Spirit moves us, um, when we read something in Scripture, or maybe it's because we heard a sermon, or maybe we heard something on the, uh, like a sermon on the internet or something, um, or maybe we've seen a great example either in church history or somebody we know in church, and we have every intention to apply the Word of God in our lives. Then we go out of the church and, fa and face all the cares of the world. Our jobs, our financial situations, our bills, our struggling relationships, they all become like thorns in our life, choking us from the true purpose of our life. Of course, these, can, these things can't practically go away. Um, but we shouldn't blame these external factors anyways, but the condition of our inner person, that's what matters more than the external factors. Because it's possible to be rich, for example, and not to, to be deceived by riches and to love it so much that it doesn't give space in our hearts for God and His words. It's possible to be in the world and not be choked with its cares. <clears throat> However, we should generally try to simplify, even though we can't eliminate everything, we should try to simplify our lives to the greatest extent possible. Because no matter how complex our lives are, we should find a small amount of time to be with God and to release our minds from the cares of this world and from the deceitfulness of riches. We need to often realign our thoughts. We need to check ourselves on, on occasion and realign our thoughts and our efforts to remind ourselves about the things that really matter in our life the things that are eternal, the things that give us the truly and blessed life. That way we gain two benefits. Number one, the Word of God will dwell in us richly. And number two, we have freedom from the trouble and the unprofitable anxiety related to the troubles of everyday life, which our Savior calls the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. So let's try to find some time to be alone with God and free from any cares or desires and, and where we live just to, you know, take a break from the cares and the desires and the anxieties of life to spend time with God and to read His Holy Scriptures. How then do these thorns choke us in our life? When we look at it, a plant needs a few things to grow. Both the good seeds and the thorns need these things to grow. Number one, it needs space. As we said, we need to give space to God's words to take root in our life. And if we give space in our lives uh, to only secular things, then we will only reap the fruits of those temporary things in our life, the secular things as well. 
We need to give space to God in our hearts, space in our time throughout the day, space in our relationships with those whom we love, because these things are finite. We can't give all of it to our secular life and expect us to bear spiritual fruits. It's a limited space, just like the, the space that the thorns and the good seed both dwell in the same time. There's only one heart inside of us. There's only 24 hours in the day. God has given us a finite number of friends in our lives. <clears throat> Are we using this limited space for things relating to eternal blessings and salvation or just temporal, secular things? <clears throat> and the days pass by, and this question is always posed to us every day. You know, one day passes, weeks, months, years have passed, and we look back sometimes, and all we've spent is our efforts in the secular things, forgetting the spiritual things. There's a story that, uh, if you guys remember, uh, we invited one monk to visit us. Uh, his name was Bishoy from St. Anthony's Monastery, the first monastery in the world. And he came and uh, he told us this uh, beautiful story. He says that there was this one old gentleman who uh, a younger person came to him and he heard him praying, Lord, just give me one more chance. Lord, give me one more chance. And that's all he would pray. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. So the young person asked him, why are you always praying this? So he shared with him a vision that he had when he was younger. He said, when I was a young man, all I did with my life is seek after secular things. All I did was search after my career, my wealth, and so on. And one night I slept and I had this vision. It was a vision of him running in a forest, being chased by a lion. And he was like, it was like an Amazon forest or something like that. And he, as he was running, <clears throat> he fell into this hole, this pit in the ground, and he grabbed onto a vine and he's hanging there in this hole, holding on to this vine for a dear life, right? Like almost falling in. Like if he were to let go, that'd be the end of him because the, the, the pit was pretty deep. And as he's holding on, these two mice came, one black mouse and one white mouse, and they were nibbling on the vine. So he's holding on for dear life and these two mice are nibbling on the vine and he's about to fall. But then as he's like stressing about it, he sees on his side there a honeycomb growing on the side of the pit. So ignoring all of that, he takes the honeycomb and he starts eating the honey. And he's so pleased with the honey that he forgets about everything else. And then he wakes up in a cold sweat and very uh, troubled by this dream. So he goes to his father confessor asking him, can you please help me interpret this? Because I sense this is from God. And so the father confessor told him, the priest told him, the forest you are running through, that's the life that we're all running through. And we're running and we're trying our best to avoid the pitfalls. And the lion chasing you, of course, is Satan and an evil world and your own passions that are making you stumble. And like most people, we fell into the pit and you were holding on for dear life. And your life will now, your mortality now is revealed to you. You're reminded that you have a finite time here on earth. And the two mice, the black mouse and the, and the white mouse, is, symbolizes the days, the night time and the daytime. And they're nibbling away at the days, our time here on earth. They're nibbling. And sure enough, there will be a time when those mice will be successful and the vine will break. And that'll be the end of our life here on earth. And the honeycomb symbolizes that you forgot that your time here on earth is limited. And you just cared for just the pleasures in life. 
and you didn't give enough attention to your eternal life. The person was really moved by this and changed his life completely from the interpretation of this dream. Because the days are passing by and we have to, of course, keep that day in front of us. And this is, we've said this many times, this is not something morbid. This is something that actually enhances the meaning of life. It makes every day, every second even valuable so that we don't squander our days uh, like these two mice nibbling away at our days. And then we'll look back years later and all we've cared about and all we've planted are the secular things in our life. So we have to give space. We have to give space uh, for God, not just because it's only a limited space that we have. So we can't let the thorns grow in the same space that we are growing. We have to cast out the thorns, which are, again is what our Lord calls the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. The second thing a plant needs is sunlight. Are we allowing the sun of righteousness to shine in our lives? Or are the cares of this world and the deceit and of this world, consuming desires of this world to be rich, for example, or other desires, causing darkness to enter into our life? The darkness of anxiety, of sadness, of worry and shame and hatred, etc., all the and such and such other darkness. This is the fruit of the thorns in our life that choke the good seed, leaving only the darkness for the small, poor little small plant that God has planted in us. I was reading in the letter of Barnabas, which is one of the apostolic, the handful of apostolic fathers that we have that have survived to us today. The, the, these are, of course, the uh, writers of the disciples of the apostles. So they lived in the first and second century. And we have a, hand, a good handful of, of those writings that have survived to us. And we see in the letter of Barnabas, the epistle of Barnabas, uh, he highlights that there, there's a difference between to walk in darkness and to walk in light. And it kind of reminds me of this poor seed trying to grow in the darkness because the thorns have overcome it and now I'm not allowing any sunlight to reach it. And in this epistle, he says, and I can just, you know, I'm quoting just a few things that he's saying. I can give you the, the full document if you like. Um, he says, to grow in light, uh, you shall love him who made you, fear him who formed you, glorify him who redeemed you from death. Be upright in heart and rich in spirit. Do not exalt yourself, but always be humble-minded. Be meek, be quiet. Be one who fears the words which you have heard. Do not bear a grudge against your brother. Whatever befalls you, receive these experiences as good, knowing that nothing happens without God. Do not be one who stretches out his hands to receive, but holds them back when it's time for giving. Love as the apple of your eye all who proclaim the, word, the Lord's words to you, like the scriptures. Remember the day of judgment, night and day, like the story that we just read or heard of. Do not cause divisions, but make peace with disputants by bringing them together. This is the way of light, and the seeds grow amazingly, and God is well pleased. But the thorns that don't allow the seed to receive light, and so the seed grows with great limitations and darkness because he's not getting the, the sunlight. The epistle of Barnabas also describes the characteristics of this poor young seed trying to grow in darkness, causing, uh, you know, causing it like being caused by the thorns that are overshadowing it. He says, again, as our Savior says, this darkness comes from the cares of the world and from the deceitfulness of riches. Loving 
what is worthless, pursuing rewards for it, not showing mercy towards the poor, not laboring on behalf of the downtrodden, reckless with slanderous speech, not knowing him who made them, turning away from the needy, afflicted, and the oppressed. And the seed is choked and has no opportunity to grow in this darkness. So those who grow in the light will be glorified in God's kingdom. Those who grow in darkness will perish with their works of, of, of with their secular works. Finally, a plant needs to have good soil. And this part is sometimes easy because God has given us all the potential to be good soil. Prepared to receive the word of God with great potential. Not a small potential, but great potential. We're all blessed with all the things we need to have the word of God being thriving, being a very thriving and powerful force in our lives. But we can't let the seed grow in the same place as the thorns. We need to remove the thorns that choke us with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, and we become unfruitful. Because the final scenario, the good scenario, was successful because the seed fell on fertile soil with no thorns, no rocks, and the soil was able to receive the seed. The one that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. These are the ones who place a high value on scripture, and it's a precious thing in their life. The Bible isn't just some kind of decoration in their house, but actually a, a book that's read. And I love seeing those really old Bibles, right? The ones with torn pages and wrinkled pages, and the outer leather case is almost broken off, right? And the stitching's coming out. Those are the best kind of Bibles because you know that it's been used. But those pristine Bibles that are like in a corner in our house collecting dust, what is that going to do us, right? We need to have those broken Bibles, right? The ones that have actually been cracked open and, and read and used. Um, how are we compared to these four places? The places with rocks, the places that are compacted, and the places where the seeds fell where thorns were also growing, and finally the good ground. And we can say, as we said last week, that sometimes we bear fruit, sometimes the word of God has no effect in us because of the condition of our heart at that time. So we find ourselves in all four categories at times, but we want to be as much as possible in that fourth successful category. Let's keep our eternity in front of us always. Let's grow in the love of God. Let's give God space in our life purposely because it doesn't happen on accident we have to give him space in our lives and he is worthy of being a priority in our lives he is worthy of, of all the priorities we have in our life he is most worthy to have that priority so let's not be deceived making thorns our priority instead but let's till the ground as a good farmers softening the soil removing the stones pulling out the thorns in our spiritual life so that we become fertile ground and bear fruits worthy of the calling that God has given to us, to the glory of God forever. Amen.